I would like, if I may, to take you on a super strange journey. Nine Cents. Nine Cents is a satanic perspective of our modern world, and I am your host, Adam Campbell. It is January 26th, and we've got a fantastic show for you this week. That's right, I said we, because in the his house is a Den Arden. How are you, man? I'm doing pretty good. Hungover, and I'm here. It's good. Nice. <laughs> the hungover was me yesterday. I had a little too much whiskey. Nice. What'd you get, what'd you get drunk on? Wine. I, I, I had the who on repeat. And went through a bottle of, well, more like two bottles of wine. Jeez. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> nice. It was good. Well, before we uh, give a little uh, wrap and pre-show here, let's uh, give a quick rundown of what we got in store for the audience. In The Devil's Advocate, I'm going to be talking, or we are going to be talking about the essay Alienation, and this is by Magus Peter H. Gilmore from the Satanic Scriptures. Infernal Informant. We have two articles, Eight Ways the Internet of Things Will Impact Your Everyday Life, and Bill Nye Explains Why He's Debating Evolution. Creationism Frightens Me. And we have a militant eroticism, of course. It ends in the house. So what do we have for this week? We are going to do the glitter grotesque. It's pretty much me ranting about gay culture. (laughs) Sweet. Yay. Makes more sense (laughs) than me (laughs) ranting. About gay culture. I w- Will and Grace is the end of what I know about the gay culture. See, that's my fucking problem. <laughs> <laughs> I truly think that all minorities go through four phases. Um, rejection. Uh, sh- God damn it. I should have drank more water. Um, reje- <laughs> rejection. Ejaculation? What? No, water. Rejection. <laughs> <laughs> I will ejaculate later. <laughs> anyway, it doesn't matter. The 90s was a period where um, it was like 80s for the black people. They became accepted only as a punchline or as the token black guy. The 90s was the same thing for gay people. They're they're okay to be in public as long as they're funny and stereotyped. So you get Will and fucking Grace, which had funny moments, but it was terrible. <laughs> yeah, nice. All right, well, I can't wait to get into that. Um, before we start the show quickly here, uh, a couple things. Facebook page. Okay, so for those of you who are not connected to Nine Cents in social networks, we're actually out there with Twitter and Facebook and SatanNet and Google Plus and MySpace and, you know, a lot of different um, musical venues like Stitcher, Spotify iTunes, and we're on YouTube even. So there's a lot of different places that you can connect with us. One of those, again, is Facebook. And we recently got a surge because of an amazing woman in the the COS. uh, Gave us a little boost on the COS's Facebook page. And we hit 666 likes early today. And we're actually over that now. But I'm going to latch on to that number because it's a wonderful number (laughs) for those of you who enjoy made-up Christian bullshit, <laughs> so, I don't know, but it's always fun to sort of, you know, have fun with a number like that, so, 
Mm-hmm. So that means that then we're going to have to be that much more evil in this. Well, okay. <laughs> so every once in a while, we're going to have to throw out like a maniacal laugh. <laughs> yeah, I just, I can't do that unless I just have an <laughs> orgasm. It's just not going to happen. <laughs> or, or maybe we could just drop down our tones of our voices so we sound more evil because everyone knows that james earl jones is like the most evil man in the planet because of his low voice he is <laughs> did you ever notice that like this was a big thing in the in the 90s and even sometimes you catch it today and i don't know if it's supposed to be pretentious like in a funny way like an open i'm trying to be pretentious so it's funny or if it's a genuine thing but whenever you run across like what's supposed to be dark and evil. It's always like super distorted and dark. And <laughs> Can you just be a regular human being? I don't get it. Oh, I don't know. I tend to like villains and bad guys who um, look weak and they like the Riddler or the Joker. They just look weak and laughable, but God damn, they're dangerous. Um, yeah. I don't know. It kind of goes with the style, I guess. I mean, maybe... Yeah, people with low voices sound more dangerous. They sound more intimidating. So maybe that just kind of goes with it. <laughs> I guess, man. It's, it's weird to me. It's always been kind of laughable to me. And, and it's 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 sort of like those people who, like, change their names to, like, these crazy, I want to be scary type names or, or cash in on some sort of uh, emotional attachment to other names, like, like, you know, people who toss in LaVey to their made-up pseudonyms or, or um, Devil Hunter 666. This <laughs> is fucking dumb. It's just, you don't have to fucking say your real name, but you don't also have to choose the most pretentious douchebaggy name out there. I mean, hey. let's give a little bit of thought. Hey, hey, my, my name is pretty douchebaggy. Don't take this away from me. <laughs> it's not always a bad thing <laughs> no no yours is yours is very creative it's very different at least i've never heard anything like it before so that's good that's that's good it's not like it's i don't know lucy and greaves or some bullshit thing like that <laughs> uh, uh. dun 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 <laughs> that whole douchebags all right well i don't want to get into that but you know we hit 666 awesome we're going higher than that fantastic um hopefully that converts to i don't know one new person listening (laughs) if we're lucky (laughs) like doubled our likes in one day which is pretty awesome that is pretty fucking awesome maybe next time we'll be 999 or 699 that's a good (laughs) three-way that's a really good way I'm, I'm down. Let's do that shit. <laughs> that would be awesome. Again, you gonna cry in the corner this time too? <laughs> <laughs> it was different. It was, took me a little bit to adjust. Uh, a couple days to recover too. All right. So I, I noticed something strange that I kind of wanted to talk about again pre-show here, people. And uh, it, this has bothered me for quite some time. So I often, obviously, have to interact with the outside world. It sucks, I know, but I have to do it. I'm, I'm pretty sure one or two of you out there do too. Uh, and what I notice is that yeah, everyone's a little bit weird within themselves. You know what I mean? I mean, there's just this, whatever it is about them, there's a weirdness. Sometimes you get a glimpse of that when you're looking at someone in the eyes. You can just see like, wow, this cat is fucked up. Yeah. You know, like, I, I don't want to sit across from him in a booth because it will end up being the creepiest three hours of my life because I won't be able to get away. And that's how creepy these fuckers are. Or, or it's just super mundane, like this person has nothing to offer in a conversation, or I, I want nothing to do with this. Um, I feel like my freak 
is shining through my eyes because I get people staring at me like eye contact staring, which is weird. And there comes to a point with this when, when you're looking across and you sort of glance at someone and they're like hard staring at you. And so you start to pass by, then you like sort of backtrack and lock onto them. And you start to think, wait a second, did they just do exactly what I did? Like they were just scanning and then our eyes met or were they staring at me the whole time? Or to them, am I the one staring at them? Like at, at some point this becomes really awkward and really strange. And there's just like this staring contest with with strangers. And we're just each trying to figure out which one started this crazy thing. Never actually wanting to be the one to break away because then there's like some weird carnal you know, I'm going to stare at you until you look away. Hence, I have more power over you type thing. Does this ever happen to you? Uh, well, yeah, but it's usually because they're checking me out. Did, did you think maybe they were just checking you out, Adam? Or did you have this whole conversation in your head while having to stare down with the perfect stranger? In I which case, <laughs> you're the weird guy. <laughs> Not Apparently, them. I'm the weird one. <laughs> no, this happens all the time. Well, and I know... I'm a regular looking person, so it's not that, you know, it's not like, ooh, everyone wants to fuck me, they're all staring at me. I, th I genuinely think, like, like the weirdness of me comes through a little too much sometimes when when I'm looking at people, and, and it's like uh, it's like animal sense, you know what I mean? I mean, you can just smell it, the, the difference, the strangeness in someone. Uh, I, think, uh, I think I might have to apply a little deodorant, because I think people can smell me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you're... When I met you, you're you're an attractive man with a charismatic look to him. So people are auto automatically going to look at you. But yeah, you have the same kind of look. Uh, she she it, or your look kind of reminds me of Peggy's. <laughs> that is <laughs> well, that well, is let me really explain. weird. Let me explain. You look. Uh, like like an everyday normal sweet person but there's something about you that says don't fuck with me <laughs> <laughs> in the eyes it's like don't fuck with me and peggy's got the same thing very sweet very nice but when she looks at me i'm like yeah i'm not gonna fuck with you <laughs> <laughs> nice. like no -uh. no <laughs> right, well maybe that's what it is that, that actually sounds kind of cool so I'm, I'm gonna hold on to that that's the <laughs> That's the explanation from here on out. Hold on to the intimidation. <laughs> yeah. And really, it's just me trying to figure out what, who started the staring contest. <laughs> yeah. It's you just being a little bit schizophrenic. That's all. <laughs> but hey, whatever nice. works. Yeah. Hey, so I, I don't know if you guys, if you want to do this, but do you want to hint out what you're working on at all coming up here soon? Yes, I do. I've, Darren and I have been talking about this for weeks. Actually, yeah, so we've been talking about this for a long time, but. Um, now I'll just bluntly say Darren and I are going to do a Valentine's Day special because nothing says love like a straight single man getting trashed with a gay single man in the privacy of their house. <laughs> Alone with each other. <laughs> right. Him and I were drinking the other night. I'm like, you, you realize how sad this sounds, right? <laughs> He's like, what do you mean? Like, here I am, I got like five fuck buddies, you know, I have a sex talk show, and I'm going to spend Valentine's Day with you. <laughs> and you 
you're you're a straight guy who who's also single and you know just having a good old time and you're spending it with a faggot what the hell's wrong <laughs> with you <laughs> and then we just decided after a few more beers <laughs> that we're just oh well we're just too good we're just we're being ironic that's what it is <laughs> nice. This is the second Valentine's Day I'm spending with a straight guy. <laughs> that 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 is weird. I gotta say. Eh, I want to have dinner with them anyway. Just put it. Well, in my- I think. Oh. I'm excited for this. I'm like I'm genuinely excited to sort of be a fly on the wall of what you guys do and and talk about during your fucking drinking fest. I think this is gonna be a great way to spend Valentine's for. Those who either have been married far too long or <laughs> don't have anyone to call their own. It's it's going to be good. This is pretty much, it's not very scripted at all. It's going to be just Darren and I doing what we do most weekends, which is getting trash and talking about you. Well, not you personally. I mean, sometimes right. you, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's going to be awesome. Okay, so a Valentine's special brought to you by Aden Arden and Darren Deicide, both co-hosts of... Uh, Nine cents, of course, uh, respectively. Aden Arden with Milton Rossism and Darren Deicide of um, Asian Provocateur. So look forward to that. And when are you planning on having that out? February 9th. It's going to be called the Saint Valentine's Day Massacre. Massacre. Nice. Sorry. Nice. Yeah. We're even uh, doing a photo don't... shoot. Oh. I know. Promos. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. This is going to be funny. <laughs> you gotta do like like Vine videos or like uh, Instagram videos, oh. rather than just a straight photo shoot. Oh God, I don't I don't even have Instagram and the Vine. Fuck the Vine. You know how the many Vine. Of, <laughs> you know how many I. You know how many times I've had to write up my employees for I find them hanging out it's, uh, somewhere in the building and they're just doing videos for the fucking Vine and then they'll turn it to me and go, Yo, Adeen, the Vine. I'm like, Fuck the Vine. <laughs> I'm on the goddamn the vine. vine. I'm t- cussing out my employees. <laughs> <laughs> I like how it's how it's the vine. The vine isn't that on the internets? <laughs> Does the Google control that? <laughs> <laughs> They're ghetto. They can't help themselves. <laughs> <laughs> it's the vine, motherfucker. That's it. That's exactly it. It's just my dick in a box. Yeah. They they do that or they do World Star. Fucking all goddamn day. <laughs> Wait, what? What's World Star? Look it up when you got a minute and. Get ready to laugh and cry at how depressing <laughs> people are. All right. Okay, so no, none of the Vine videos for you guys. No. Maybe uh, take a couple shots, and, and I'm, I'm excited to see some of this stuff. I'm definitely excited for the episode. Um, so, yeah, look forward to that, everyone. Tune in the 9th, and that's going to be your Valentine special episode of Nine Cents. Uh, two gents trashing trashed. <laughs> trashing each other trashed? Trashing. Uh, anyway, it's it going to be awesome. It How about we jump into the Devil's Advocate? All right. In nomine de nostris, Thomas Luciferi Excelsior. In the name of Satan, the ruler of the earth, the king. Though I am an active member, I do not speak for the Church of Satan. Satanists view themselves as being different from the general run of humanity. We see ourselves as set apart from those who merely follow the currents of their cultural milieu, having no desire to be embraced by the teeming hordes. We attempt to throw off, where necessary, the osmo-consciousness that is in the West, 
is dominated by Judeo-Christian thinking, which says that man is apart from the natural world and should purge himself of the material to embrace the spiritual. I love this this article. It's 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 very short. It's very to the, sweet and to the point, but it speaks to something that I. You know, this is stuff that um, Anton LaVey, you know, founded Satanism around this idea of um, the common man hates what he is, and and be that because of society or because of uh, the culture they were raised in or whatever, or the religion, uh, hates who and what they are, the, the appetites that they have, um, the desires that they have, it's not reconciled in their mind, and so they just live a a, a hypocritical life. Uh, This essay sort of outlines that notion and categorizes into two really broad groups. So you have your ethereals, you know, these Judeo-Western thinking Christians who focus their existence around uh, the idea of denying their carnal nature. And then you have, as he terms in here, the carnals. And those would be, you know, maybe those who walk the left-hand path, who embrace the carnal side of themselves and uh, relish in it. You know, they, they champion that side of what it means to be a human being. And the really the, the struggle between the two in, in that the carnals are, are truly a minority here. So the West is completely dominated by Judeo-Christian thinking. It promotes the abstaining of any pleasure because of the guilt, the religious guilt that they've been taught, um, as if they're not worthy of enjoying their own lives. Uh, Because if they did, maybe, then they wouldn't want to go to the afterlife heaven because they're having too much fun down here. And I don't know if it's, maybe it's this like base notion of, I want to be able to enjoy it so much more then... So I'm going to hold out now mentality. It doesn't make much sense to me. Does that <laughs> like, do you understand that notion? Like, can you, can you rationalize that in yourself? Even taking a step back and just seeing it from the other perspective at end. But if, um, should I abstain now to go to heaven later? <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, uh, a, a, <laughs> a minister once told me, cause I asked him what's so great about heaven. Uh, when I was a teenager or something. And I, and I meant it seriously. Like I couldn't find anything in the Bible, a description, nothing. And he goes, well, you have to imagine living without the flesh. So all the things that feel good now won't feel good in heaven. I said, well, then what could feel good in heaven? He goes, you're just with Jesus. You just, he's like, it's like being held by your mother. I'm like, I don't know if I want to be held that way for eternity. That's fucked up. I know, right? It's kind of sick, huh? <laughs> Wait a second. They, so... That doesn't make any sense to me at all. You, Why would okay? So let's say that that is you know his interpretation of it is like all of the interpretations. So then that means <clears throat> you're refraining from enjoying the fleshly delights on this earth so that you will not have the opportunity to enjoy them in heaven. <laughs> what yeah. the fuck? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> ah, that's insanity. Okay, you're just so... gonna feel so good by sitting with a long-haired hippie. <laughs> I prefer my Eric Cartman's. <laughs> <laughs> it's a warm hug for eternity. Ew. Fuck that. <laughs> An awkward, bosomy, warm hug <laughs> that you can't really enjoy because it's your mom, but you still know, like, at the base level, well, they're boobs, but ew, it's my mom. I, uh, I can't enjoy this. 
here's what would be weird is if it was your your dad or your grandpa or some other you know man in in the family who has large breasts himself and it's a big embrace that way for eternity now that would be fucked up that'd be kind of funny at least for a little bit <laughs> come on you'd be giggling if you're squashed between some fat asses tits come on is it cool if I could motorboat? Like, is this crossing a line? <laughs> it's it's a bit. It's like a quarter by. <laughs> yeah, that's that's almost bisexual right there. <laughs> Motorboating a man. All right. So, and then you know, on the other side of that, the carnal. Of course, we all know these. This the the, the satanic type. Uh, we embrace the pleasures of the flesh wherever we find them. In uh, and it's not just indulgence. It's not just hedonistic head over heels diving in head first it's taking a moment and truly enjoying them an epicurean uh fair here where you recognize what brings you pleasure whether it's a meal a a, a man or a woman uh, a moment uh, a shared stare with a stranger across <laughs> the, fucking the red lobster whatever the fuck it is um and you recognize it for what it is. I mean, going out into nature and, and looking at how the sun shines down on a mountaintop, um, enjoying the, the sights, sounds, and smells of your environment, whatever environment that is, being able to truly appreciate what that is. And this is something that the ethereals will never fully grasp because the here and now isn't important. And that's the absurd notion that separates us. And now, you know, we get to this con uh, th this concept here of um, because there's there's a rift between the way our minds actually work, between our recognition of our nature and their denial of it, it creates this massive rift that pushes us into the fringe. So this is where you get that term alien. We are different. We are not of. We are separate. Um but that's not always a bad thing. And that's what I like about this essay is that, it, you know, it, it sort of says we are different, but there's a good reason to be different. Uh, it, it helps foster a healthy sense of self. You know, Satanism is massively uh, selfish religion. Everything is about our individual experience in the world, uh, controlling it and extending our reach and, and truly enjoying what we have while we're here. So, that that notion that we're completely removed from the rest of society in the way that we experience reality is a good thing. It allows us to be different, to be weird, to be an individual. At, at times that can be dangerous, of course, and it leads to an overinflated ego and it can lead to some true pretentiousness. But if you have an open awareness about who and what you are, about your talents, uh, your shortcomings, uh, then it's it's an amazing way to live a life. And it's actually probably the only way to actually live a life, which is really fantastic. Um, mm -hmm. To you, Aden, um, at, at what point did you start developing a sense of ego? Like, when, when did you start seeing yourself as separate from the rest of the world? Yeah, my mother always told me that I, I must have been born arrogant because I never wanted to hang out with anybody. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I can't, it's, I can't really pinpoint yeah. when it was just when I was young, I wanted April 23rd, to 23rd, 17th. <laughs> seven, oh God. <laughs> <laughs> you an old <laughs> motherfucker. 
<laughs> I I love my plastic surgeon. Let me tell you. <laughs> You're just Dorian Gray. That's all. <laughs> Ooh, oh, don't don't say such sweet things to me. <laughs> um, no, it was I, I always just wanted. Right, maybe maybe it was in middle school when I finally was like, all right, no one wants to do the things that I want to do, and I'm not interested in anything that they're doing. And that was probably when I started becoming proud of that. Mm-hmm. When I tried for a little bit to kind of fit in, and I was just utterly, utterly bored. <laughs> yeah. it was just boring and sad and um that line of levey's you know tur- turning alienation into exclusivity was just i think one of the most prof- profound statements to me um in his books well I, I i really truly love that notion um that you just mentioned there that you tried to be like everyone else because you were taught that you should. You were told by the rest of the culture you were raised in that you you need to be like these people. And so you gave it the old college try. You gave it a go. And you, this is something that, well, I don't know. I'm going to frame this as a question. Do you think it's important that people try to fit in so that they can fully understand the difference that is them? Yeah, it's kind of like why I tell all straight men to sleep with a gay guy at least once so you know. um i wouldn't call it necessarily important i think it's helpful um especially if uh you you want a job that you have to deal with the everyday person let's say you want to be a teacher Uh, well i think it's fairly important to know how to fit in instead of just remaining weird because if you're if you're antisocial too long you won't really know how to deal with anybody else until you get to a place where you don't have to it's best to at least be able to put on a very convincing mask so like at work people just think i'm a bit odd but that's a that's about it just because of the books i read and while i'm waiting for a meeting to start or something and really i mean satanism provides those tools so you have lesser magic as as a, a concept and in practice uh, in order to deal with with situations like this, where you you need to manipulate those around you to get what you need, uh, to make them think that you're just like everyone else, so that you can capitalize on whatever situation. So, you know, as a Satanist, we are afforded the tools necessary, um, just on base human level. Um, what's fantastic is that it's all realized um, in sort of a, a how-to manual almost in the Satanic Witch. Um, by Anton LaVey. So there, there are tools out there to help if you do feel like you have to connect with that which is so opposed to uh, who you are as an individual, meaning the ethereals in this context of this article here. And you can um, always have some fun with it too. Yeah. <laughs> Go out there and have fun with the normals. They're, uh, they're entertaining. And put it on the vine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Go to the vine. <laughs> Uh, nice. Yeah, but even you know, yeah, yeah, well, should take lesser magic up for a spin and get out there and deal with these ridiculous hordes of bullshit. <laughs> All right. Well, what I truly appreciated about this essay is that he not only um, Magus Gilmore not only broaches the topic, it clarifies it through uh, breaking it down into two categories, explaining. You know that it's a good thing. It's not a bad thing, 
and that uh, there's this really fantastic closing paragraph here that I'm going to read uh, to sort of close out this discussion. Uh, so bear with me as I'm turning pages here because, damn, it's stuck together like a freaking Playboy here. Um, the time is now for reemergence and triumph of the carnal type. We have unleashed the fleshly beast that will tear the wizened flesh of those who feel at odds with the natural order. Their desiccated and poisonous tissues will be buried with the other refuse whose decomposition will provide fertilizer for the new generations of integrated, self-aware, and self-embracing humans. Nature will claim its victory over those who would deny it. I think that is a brilliant way to distill down um, truly what, is, what, what must happen in nature, and that's the carnals will rise to the top. And you actually see it nowadays. I mean, you see it with the emergence of um, an atheistic culture. Um, not always in a good way, but it's there. And so that's, that's really, you know, maybe not the ideal step, but it's a really good step in shaking loose those ethereals. Yeah, so. it's like uh, the Al Pacino, uh, Al Pacino and the Devil's Advocate type of thing. Um, yeah. We're coming out, guns blazing. <laughs> I, I absolutely adore it. Uh, check out the Satanic Scriptures if you don't own it already. It's definitely worth the buy. And read Alienation again for yourself because um, Magus Gilmore puts it much clearer, uh, more concise, and frames it much better than I could. Um, but you will love it uh, for sure. Let's jump into the Infernal Informant. Mm -hmm. Here we go. Hey, what's going on, friends? Uh, Infernal Informant! So this article is Eight Ways the Internet of Things Will Impact Your Everyday Life, Friday, January 24th, um, by The Entrepreneur. Oh no, this is on Reuters. Never mind. But content by Entrepreneur. Anyway. Uh, bigger than the Industrial Revolution. This is how some analysts talk about the budding internet of things and the innovation that will come as a result. We will start to see a plethora of dumb objects becoming or become connected, sending signals to each other and alerts to our phones and creating mounds of little data on all of us that will make marketers salivate. The internet of things took center stage at CES, which connected tennis rackets and crockpots, capturing early headlines. Why the fuck would I need to connect a tennis racket to a crockpot? <laughs> I want to know, like I, I, I scored or whatever it is in tennis. So my crock pot needs to turn on as a, as a treat. <laughs> <laughs> what if you're in the middle of your tennis lesson, but you left your roast in the crock pot and you need to know <laughs> when to tell your maid to take it out. I don't know. Your maid will tell that bitch to call me. <laughs> on my I got a racket. phone. I don't need it in my tennis racket. <laughs> yeah. She can call me on my fucking tennis racket. <laughs> anyway, some of the largest tech um, Jesus, some of the largest tech behemoths have recently joined together to make the Internet of Things a closer reality in all of our homes, cars, and lives. The All-Seen Alliance, uh, Jesus, God has a company, is seen companies such as Cisco, Panasonic, and Sharp pledging to make their pipelines of new appliances and devices compatible with a networking system so machines can interact. 
By 2017, we will see smart objects hitting shelves on broad scales and we will start reducing waste, cost, and inconvenience while increasing efficiency and safety. I call shenanigans. No, you won't. <laughs> shenanigans on you. Yes. <laughs> so these are the... So what are, what are some of the, uh, the things that we can look forward to? Yeah, they go into great detail about them, but I'm just going to read the eight. Um, there we go. Tuning your car, which is uh, your car pretty much are going to smart your car to where it can contact a mechanic. Uh, for your annual tune-up or your tire pressure is running low and then cross-referencing your calendar and suggest appointments. Basically, your car is your new um, Girl Friday or secretary or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to monitor your health. So when your prescription is running low, your medicine cabinet is going to completely screw you if you like <laughs> popping pills. It's going to contact your doctor and let you know about uh, let him know about your ongoing health issues, what things you're going to through uh, going through too fast, and if you need another uh, another prescription refill. Then energy consumption, which this is really nice for people like me who just leave their computer on twenty four seven. High energy consumption household appliances will adjust based on dynamic price signals to lower your electric bill. Thermostats and lighting will learn your habits to create the optimal setting based on your everyday life. So for people like me, it's I'm going to keep the lights on all the time. <laughs> uh, these gadgets will also sense when no one is home and turn off on, and turn off all electric appliances, which is really going to suck if you leave a crock pot on at home, which is probably why they have the tennis racket. <laughs> which begs the question how am i going to get the tennis racket to talk to my crock pot that's right if everything if you keep turning everything off how the fuck am i supposed to do my crock pot <laughs> <laughs> driving and traffic jams this is what i'm really excited about <laughs> driving will get a lot safer traffic lights will be able to adjust to real-time traffic conditions um such as when an emergency vehicle is approaching road sensors uh, we'll change the speed limit based on weather and accidents, and we'll also communicate directly to you for unsafe conditions such as slow down, the turn in a quarter mile is icy, instead of just having a sign posted you around. Oh, yeah. sorry, that's a quick funny story. When I was a kid, we were driving down the freeway in Michigan, and it said, the bridge is icy. I'm like, mommy, it's July. Why is that bridge icy? <laughs> <laughs> they have someone on it we needed to have a job so <laughs> keep it, we keep it going year round uh grocery list smart fridges will let you know when you're when you're low on staples like eggs or milk and populate your grocery list for your from what i'm assuming is a new iphone coming out <laughs> <laughs> stores will push reminders to add items to your list when it predicts you're about to run out based on your historical purchasing purchasing behavior that's weird I'm not, because that requires you to like scan items as you put them in the refrigerator or something like that i think that's a little weird uh well there is this little documentary on discovery science uh talking to one of the futurists an asian guy with the long gray hair he's a big transhumanist and whatnot and uh he was talking about that pretty much your your fridge will it's not like you have to scan it when you put it in your fridge it's just your fridge will read the barcodes on everything you put in there and it will measure the weight and things like that. What the fuck? I know. I'm so excited. Are you? <laughs> well, think about it this way. We're building Olympus. We are building a world where only gods can exist. It's fantastic. Um, 
That's actually a really interesting way to put it because and I never thought about it before this second. It, it, it would be like owning slaves, except our electronics are our slaves. That's right. It's, it's going to be... Now, the downside to all this is from the same documentary, and uh, this also connects with their uh, pharmaceutical benefit, is they... Uh, health insurance companies. Let's say, like, when I took a piss this morning when I got up, that would let my health... Uh, my, uh, my insurance company know that, well, I drink a lot. So they should probably up my, uh, what, what is it? Up my fucking premium because I drink a lot. So I may have liver problems in the future. Or Ooh, if yeah. I flush a lot of condoms. Like if you go and get um, your STD and HIV tests through a doctor, your insurance is red flagged for being sexually promiscuous, which means you're going to pay more. Holy shit. Mm-hmm. So if I like to flush condoms down the toilet, or if I have a smart trash can that's like, oh, there's a there's like four loads in here. <laughs> that's going to let my insurance company know. So then I'm going to have to, you know, take days where I drink a lot of water and then keep them in the fridge to pour into the toilet. So my insurance company can know that I just got trashed three nights awesome. in a row. <laughs> but on the upside, it'll remind you to buy more condoms. So, you know. Either that or will prompt me to bear back because I don't have a smart ass yet. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> smart my asshole, for the love of God. <laughs> or I'm just going to have to bury my condoms in the yard, which is going to do really interesting things to my garden. <laughs> hey, Darren, try this tomato. <laughs> Worst time capsule ever. <laughs> oh, my God. Ancient ancestors, we have their pure DNA. <laughs> This guy was a fucking nut. Look at him. Let's recreate him. It'll be like uh, fucking that stupid futuristic Pinocchio movie. What was it called? I'm Bored or something? I have no idea what you're talking about. Uh, fucking the, the kid goes under the water to be with the with the fairy from Pinocchio because he wants to be a real boy. It, anyway, I've never it seen this before. It, it was terrible. Robin Williams was in it. It was bad. All right, well, here's another one. It's uh, your morning alarm. This may piss people off, too. <laughs> the traffic on your route to work and the weather will soon affect what time your alarm goes off. If there's an accident or road construction on your usual drive, your alarm will go off early and alternate routes will populate your dashboard. <laughs> of course, your coffee machine will be in the loop to make sure you have a cup of joe for the road. Well, that's nice. I... <laughs> so you can get stuck in traffic and need to pee really bad. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that and I can't. I can no longer say to my boss, "Oh, traffic, I'm late." Mm. Then again, one time my boss actually did use the Ellen DeGeneres joke. What, how do you think I got here? Helicopter in? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nice. Uh, so that's... I, you're the boss. I just assumed you had a private helicopter. I don't keep track of these things. Uh, this would be good for you, since you know you're a breeder monitoring your baby. <laughs> Through your... I'm done breeding, by the way. Just want to put it out there. You know, I never fixed. fucking believe you people. You say that, and then a few years <laughs> later, you're like, you know what? I feel like having another one. Why? Because it's because your kids are all moved out. And you forgot how annoying it was. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have a scar under my shaft to prove that I'm fixed. So. Uh, yeah, but those things are reversible. <laughs> it, it was such a horrible experience. I will not be going about that again. Oh, don't say that out loud. <laughs> I try and tell men, don't make your wives get your tube tied. Go into the doctor and get your fucking thing cut. 
it's easier, it's safer, and it's reversible, more so than the women. Yeah, and I'm actually all for you. It's the doctor I had that was horrible, so. Uh, <laughs> it was the horrible experience. Cold yeah, What else here? <laughs> oh, yeah, so monitoring your baby. Through the smartphones, parents will monitor their baby's breathing temperature and activity. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> Babies Even will... more ways to freak the fuck out as a parent. <laughs> I know. I can just imagine the mall filled with them. It'll be like Dawn of the Dead. You'll have this mall full of screaming zombies all looking at their phone. <laughs> Seriously. <gasps> her heart skipped a beat. We need to get her to the doctor now. They took a poo. <laughs> Holy <laughs> yeah. shit. Turn on my Princess automatic gas. camera. Baby's <laughs> <laughs> <Famous> first dump. <laughs> <laughs> we need to analyze this for consistency and scent. Ugh. People are nuts. <laughs> Babies will don connected onesies that will send alert when there is anything abnormal. <laughs> They're babies. They're entirely abnormal. You just think your baby is in space. What the fuck? That's the only <laughs> time it would be relevant. <laughs> like, what else is abnormal? And then pet monitoring systems will allow you to monitor their activity and behavior from afar so you can see how well your potty training is working, how honest your dog walker really is. Because everyone has dog walkers. I was a dog walker for a bit. I don't want anyone to monitor me. I sat in the park and let them run around and smoke cigarettes and drink coffee. <laughs> I don't want I don't want you to know that that's what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was the last one here. Uh, uh, what's on your body? Wearable tech. Oh, this is actually pretty cool. Wearable tech has perhaps gotten the most attention in the internet of things. Who came up with this phrase? The internet. Of things. Yeah. <laughs> uh, excuse me. Yeah, it is a title. Internet of things. What the fuck? Uh, uh, this Brooklyn is working its way through me. Damn. <laughs> uh, many products are now in their second or third generations, offering sleeker designs and more integration with different systems. From monitoring... From monitoring activity during workouts to sleep patterns to hearing aids, the devices that we wear are becoming much more sophisticated, connecting to all of our social media accounts. Because everybody needs to know that on Twitter, I just took a shit, jogged five uh, miles, and blew three loads. Yeah, not. I'm not down with this. <laughs> uh, okay, so the reason why I sort of brought this article out here, um, I wanted to ask you a question. At what point... Do we stop being human beings? Well, this is, oh, this is fun for me because I'm a big transhumanist guy. The, to me, it's, it's, I see nothing wrong with being human. Absolutely nothing with it. But I don't think that justifies the idea of not, of trying not to be better. We're at an interesting point in our evolution where we can dictate the world and our environment on a scale that only has existed for Olympian gods um, in mythology. So this, yeah. this is, to me, incredibly exciting that we're getting to the point where we can choose not to be homo sapiens anymore. Where we can take our evolution into our own hands and be whatever we, whatever we want. Um, now, with things like this, this kind of technology, uh, it's, it's, I think moderation is the key. It, when the iPhone first came out, everybody was getting it and 
I just didn't see the point for a lot of it. A lot, my iPhone has a bunch of shit on it that I don't need. Hmm. I don't need, I don't use, and I don't want, and I don't see a point to. Um, so technology like this is fantastic to be able to communicate with a bunch of different things and completely live the center of my universe in a very real physical way, not just as a perspective, but literally everything revolves around me. <laughs> Um, and my tastes and it's like those uh, paintings that can that can switch when you walk into a room to reflect your mood wouldn't it be nice always walk into a room and have everything change to suit your mood if you're really angry everything's going to switch to kind of calm you down it and that is a weird oh see that's fucked up that's because that becomes technology trying to control you as if there is a mood that you should be in like as if there there is a way of living that you should be and that you're not. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, calm is better than stress, isn't it? Then again, I, I like work. I don't know. I mean, pressure, people but... thrive on stress. I mean, innovation is born of stress, you know? Mm -hmm. That's how I write most of my episodes. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, I got 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah, sometimes that happens. But <laughs> uh, no, I, I get your point. At what point is it? We're controlled by technology, which is why I like that they included marketers are going to salivate over these things. Yeah. Uh, it's going to Times Square in New York. I will walk four blocks out of my way to not walk through it because by the time I get through it, I'm tired. I have a headache. I want to buy things. And I can see Times Times Square is like a fucking atomic bomb. It's so goddamn bright. And walking through it, it, it feels like a bunch of people screaming at you buy this <laughs> this is and they are. <laughs> or or i love the news screen shit's getting worse <laughs> it's like by the time you walk through it you're so depressed so it's with technology like this yeah you you got a point it, it can control you which is why it it helps to be aware of the medium that you're dealing with um that book that I'm going to borrow it from Darren for arguments for the elimination of television. I think it's still on the Church of Satan reading list also. Makes that point very well. Uh, technology is all well and good, but don't forget what you're dealing with. It's a gun. A gun is a nice tool, but don't forget what it's there for. It's there to kill things. <laughs> yeah. So with a TV, TV's all well and good. So is a computer, so is a phone. But don't forget that a television is built to hypnotize. Um, yeah. So it's a, it's a dual sword like any technology. Bombs can be a great thing or they can kill hundreds of thousands of innocent people. Depends on what you use it for. Yeah. I, I think it's a, a fantastic thought and I hope everyone sort of measures it in their own lives though i'm sure the three listeners that i have won't <laughs> but uh i i do love it i i think it's fantastic you have to you everything you have to go into everything with open eyes um nothing is there just to please you like literally nothing is there except for your fucking hands nothing is there to please you there's always a price and so you have to understand what that price is go into it with your eyes open and maybe with a little bit of awareness you can enjoy it a little bit more uh, through moments, whatever that is. Um, but that's fantastic. Let us let me dive into the next one here. Ooh, Bill Nye. Yeah, that's good. This guy's so weird. Um, <laughs> I dig him, but he's weird. I mean, fucking bow tie? Come on. Come on. Hey, hey. Fuck come on. Bow tie. Bow tie. 
<laughs> All right, so this is from Mediaite, I think. Mediaite. Mediaite? Is it Ite? <laughs> like, okay, all right. All right, Bill Nye explains why he's debating evolution. Creationism frightens me. And this is by Matt Wilstein, uh, posted on the 24th of January. Bill Nye, the science guy, is gearing up for a big debate on evolution with Ken Ham, the founder of Kentucky's Creation Museum, on February 4th. Despite criticism from atheists like Dan Errol, who say Nye is only lending credibility to creationism by participating in the debate. Nye is sticking by his decision, telling HuffPost Live that the issue is too important for him to ignore. I don't think I'm going to win Mr. Ham over any more than Mr. Ham thinks he's going to win me over, Bill Nye said uh, this week. Instead, I want to show people that this belief is still among us. It finds its way into school boards in the United States. He said the push to include creationism in science classes across the country does frighten him, calling it a deep concern. He added, if the United States produces a generation of science students who don't believe in science... That is troublesome. Earlier this month, Ham told The Blaze why he challenged Nye to the debate in the first place. I just think it's really healthy for a public to actually hear two people like this that are really polar opposites in many ways, he said, because you believe about who you are and where you come from affects your whole worldview. I'm sorry, <laughs> I fucking left out the what. Um, and so I brought, this is a very short little thing. It has a little video attached with it too. You guys can look up on your own. Uh, I brought this up because it parallels really, really well with this idea of addressing detractors. So you have a concept that is solid, uh, science, or in, in the context that I'm talking about, Satanism, codified. Um, it exists. We, we, we champion this notion of question all things. That includes Satanism. It includes human nature. That includes everything that is a known. At some point, you may have to question it. Uh, that's a healthy thing to do. However, when it comes to detractors, um, like the Satanic Temple, for example, or in this case, for science, um, creationists, where it has no basis in fact, a reality, it's pure made-up bullshit, like the spaghetti monster, solely to prove a point, and that is instill doubt for the mindless herd, is it a healthy thing? And, and so that's my question to you, Adin. Uh, do you think that it's, it's, it's a good thing to uh, address your detractors one-on-one? -on -one? Depends. Um, th this thing with the Temple of Satan, I've stayed out of the conversation having it in private with a few choice people um but yeah i pretty much stayed out of the out of the debate it's uh with bill nye de debating someone like ken ham and they both admit that they're not going to win each other over which it really pisses me off when people say um well what's the point of debating unless you're going to change someone's mind that's not the point of a debate the point of a debate, um, a formal debate, meaning you have an audience, is to exchange the ideas and to test their validity. The reason why you have a moderator is to declare the winner, not because someone is right, but because they have a better argument. Their argument is more valid than yours, which does not mean you're wrong. If Bill Nye wins this debate with Ken Ham, 
that does not mean Ken Ham is wrong. It means Bill Nye has a valid argument and Ken Ham does not. But it's also a logical fallacy to say just because your argument is in sound doesn't mean you're not right. Hmm. Uh, so it's, it's a pointless, this is a pointless debate. Uh, now, Kentucky's Creation Museum, I'm actually going to go this year because I've always wanted to go there. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, I think uh, Darren and I are going to take a road down to Kentucky, drink bourbon, and go to the Creation Museum. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> but this, it, debating your detractors is, it, it depends on what, what are you going to get out of it? That, that's really what it boils down to. What, what purpose is it going to serve you? Yeah. Uh, any mo- most serious people know creationism is complete bullshit. I bought a few creationist textbooks and I just stare at it like, wow, <laughs> really? Now, Bill Nye also has a valid fear, but I take the perspective: let Rome burn while I play my fiddle. Uh, if people are dumb enough to allow creationism to be taught in schools as science. If you're dumb enough to elect these people on the board of education and you're dumb enough to teach this stuff to your kids and then you get a society that is lagging in mathematics and the hard sciences and your economic power is going down the tubes, you got everything you deserved and I will applaud with the enemies. <laughs> well, um. It, it's it's rough because it, it's exactly what you said. I mean, it, it depends on the situation. It depends on the individuals. It depends on uh, what you as an individual arguing can actually bring to the table. Um, and when it comes to something like this, where um, there is science behind evolution, there is not behind creationism, and whether or not it should be taught in a science class then you start to have the issue. Well, if it's not science, then why is there even a fucking debate? Why is this even brought up? Why is this even a fucking concern? Because it's all based on fear that that because we teach science that people aren't going to believe in a God. Well, I hate to break it to you. There's a lot of people that believe in science that do believe in a God, which is crazy, but it's true. Like, there's, it's just a reality. You know, we as human beings need to latch on to ideas in order to explain things. It's very hard to just be okay with not knowing. This is hard for even people that claim to follow the left-hand path. There's this absolutist view among some people, which infuriates me personally. But there are so many variables in this universe that we cannot know. And so it's it's fun to debate. It's exciting. It's sort of like mutual masturbation. I think, you know, they're doing it for themselves to say, hey, I stood up to the other guy. I don't know that it's going to do anything like you said. Um, but you know what, Bill Nye, I'm a fan. He's a, <laughs> he's a smart dude. We'll see what happens. It'll be interesting to actually see the debate. I don't think I will, but <laughs> it'll be interesting. I don't, know if I, can, I don't know if I can do it. Now, other, other debates, like when Hitchens debated um, Al Sharpton, or uh, there was a debate that, Hitchens had, I can't remember who he debated, but he lost, and this guy was a Christian theologian. Um, those kind of debates I find incredibly useful. When Hitchens debated intelligent, well-read people who had very good arguments for God. Um, most, of the, most of the time they lost, of course, but 
those kind of debates, when you have two intelligent people sitting down who know their shit, especially two scientists when one believes in God and the other doesn't, those debates are incredibly useful and fantastic to watch. But things like this, Ken Ham, with this fucking creation museum, my God, he has children next to dinosaurs. <laughs> Bill, I know you had a kid's TV show, but Jesus, come on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I, I think that should uh, close us up for the, <laughs> this right. informant. How about we do a little militant eroticism? Ooh. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. This shit's going to get back. serious. The top hated and the low browed. With a scarlet passion and phallic gospel, I say to you, thou in sick style of remoted altars, be not of love, but of lust, and to one of those full ears of bellies full. Expand your genital rebellion to vindicate the truth. Let thy brothel be revelation, then thy moans are divine wisdom. There's no salvation in the whole religion. Our dogma is their kink. With legs spread, with flesh mounted, we point out to our accusers, a slut alone is no slut at all. This I say to you, my fellow eroticists, my hands on borders. It doesn't matter who bends over. In the end, we are all degraded. Welcome to Militant Eroticism. I'm your host, Aden Den, and this is the Glitter Grotesque, <laughs> where you're free from the bullies in straight world, where you can find love, friends, fashion, when you're free to be you and I to be me. We're born this way, lip-wristed, monogamy-worshipping, disco ball-dancing, promiscuous behaving, and I will survive singing to the legal team that protects us, corporate backers taking turns between fists, boyfriends, and swinging dicks on our recently waxed ass where pride is about fucking and where vanity is supreme and Peter Pan is God. It all fucking disgusts me. When I first came out and discovered fabulous Ferndale, the gay suburb of Detroit, I thought I'd find a place where gays has, had erected <laughs> their own culture with its own rules, a separatist culture. But instead, I found a whiny bitch fest Instead of abandoning that which tried to destroy them, they decided to change the world through crying about it. I was regularly taunted at affirmations, it's the gay center in Ferndale, by the intellectual queens. I volunteered in affirmations library. Um, they taunted me for not thinking queer and for holding on to my straightness. And side note, I never hid my homosexuality. No one asked me, so I never said anything. I just knew I was different. Being gay for me was, is much like being a Satanist. I knew I was different and found the word to best suit it. But back on point, I was taunted for not dressing gay. I was kind of a goth kid and for not acting gay. 
acting gay? How does one act like a butt fucker? Please tell me, honey. How do I act like someone who sucks dick? Do I walk around making dick choking sounds? <laughs> now, yeah, there are gay stereotypes, and they did come from somewhere. They didn't just pop out of my ass, or anyone else's ass for that matter. This libertine lifestyle that I love so much came from where we crawled out of, the back rooms and bathhouses. For most of modern gay history, we were relegated to bars and back rooms and bathhouses. Fashion, the symbols to use, uh, the symbols used to enter these, what were they called in the turn of the century? Bachelor bars. Everybody knew what happened in there. Everybody knew what they were. They just called them the bachelor bars, where only men could go. Diva of female empowering music? Well, when the only people who sing about forbidden love and surviving are women, what the fuck did you think would happen? I don't like identifying myself as gay. I do it just to communicate that, you know, I take it up the hoo-ha. But it describes a culture I can't fucking stand. When people tell me that Chris Crocker, that bitchy little faggot, is what is right with the gay community, I want to rip off a fairy's wings. Now, I don't hate him because he's a gender bender. I like gender benders. I like drag shows. I think they're fun. If they're good. Chris Crocker is the gay culture. He is the fucking poster boy for it. He's the, look at me, I'm pretty, celeb-worshipping, victim-flag-waving B.O.I. Now, a B.O.I. in gay culture is... See, I was a B.O.I. until I hit 25. It's like a twink. It's a cute little boy, boy next door type of thing. Um, but, you know, because we're not boys, B.O.I. boys, they just changed the name. Isn't that cute? B.O.I. <laughs> Remember... That Chris Crocker, this man is fucking famous for crying over Britney Spears. And now he has an album. He's fucking my favorite porn stars. And he's he's the new poster boy. This is what is right with the gay community. And then they put up shit from Grindr like, oh, there's so much backbiting and bitchiness and vanity. And you're telling me Chris Crocker is what I should look up to? Are you fucking kidding me? Like any group, there are standards of behavior, and I just wasn't fitting it. So being a young boy who liked boys, and I honestly was a gay separatist for a while, I always hoped to find my Malcolm X, but I never did. I adopted the mannerisms of a queer. Limp-wristed, I talked like a stereotype, traded in my bondage pants for tight express jeans. I even wore male thongs for a little bit. I was even a stripper in a gay club. I cut off my hair and went to a faux faux hawk, because, you know, that's what GQ told me was hot. It was incredibly sad, but it worked. After a while, I just saw the cracks in these disco balls and said to myself, Neverland is for kids. I'm not a boy. I'm a man. I used to enjoy Pride and the parades until I really started listening to them, and I started reading gay history. I posted photos of the, the White Knight riots and the Stonewall riots on the militant eroticism Facebook to show you what gay people actually did when the law got in their fucking way. They beat the shit out of people and burned stuff down. They decimated entire areas of cities. They said 
don't fuck with me. Even now, my friends say, you ha I have to go to NYC's Pride. It's an experience. Go at least once. No. No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm not going. It's crowded. It's loud. It's boring. And you have to wait in line just across the street. You have queens like Mr. or Mrs. Activist trying to sell you shit from a company that donates just as much money to gay pride as it does to what these very same people would find repugnant. When your biggest battle is gay marriage, honey, it's time to stop crying. Stop playing the victim card. Glad is overblown. The Triangle Foundation is shit. This is ridiculous. And side note about gay marriage. You've traded your butt fucking for the biggest symbol of hetero culture that you claim to despise. You sit there and tell me how heteronormative culture has completely destroyed women and gay rights. And now, and now you want the biggest symbol of it. Your ass traders. But I'll cover that in another episode. <coughs> ass traders. <laughs> I want more Brian Kennys in the world. I wish for a culture that said to themselves, we're still men. We are men. Just because you take a nine-incher down your throat and gag on it doesn't mean you're a pussy. <laughs> now, with that, create different kinds of men in lieu of no gender. I always liked that in, other cult in old cultures, we were considered the third gender outside of that dynamic because a part of what made a man a man in these cultures were fucking women. So I really had hoped to see that concept reinterpreted and applied, but it didn't. They didn't do it. They just use it as a part of their queer theory. See, gay people were accepted. No, no, they weren't. They just found a place for them. That's all. And they most of the time they wore dresses and did priestly things and they weren't allowed to do much else. Now you have cult now you have a culture within cultures based on sexual fetishes. Your identities have become shallow. You are who you fuck. Gay culture is a shell of its former self. We've degenerated into straight culture with no women. We've turned boys into BOIs and into the girl version of men. Did you know gays had their own language once? Did you know that gay men struck up deals with gay women and adopted young men to raise his children who ran away? They used to take over the worst parts of town and build a secret little section of it where no one would go, and we had free reign to do what we wanted. And the cops never touched us. As long as we maintained our appearance, we were free to do whatever we wanted. Now, I'm not suggesting we go ahead and do that. But it's nice to think that we used to, instead of running down the street in fucking tutus and going, girl, uh-uh, I live for this. I live for this scarf. Oh, my God, <laughs> do you hear the new Gaga album? I totally love Gaga. Gaga is going to change the world. Oh, my God, that bitch is fat. Not like real fat, but skinny fat. You know, like skinny fat where you don't have six-pack abs? Oh, my God, hunting. Who would go hunting? Jesus, what do I look like, a man? Uh-uh. Don't you call me a girl, honey. <laughs> That shit. The only thing gay people do now is whine and worship celebrities. When I read about Stonewall, or when gay people burn down a few blocks of San Francisco in a riot, and then I see a pride parade or I go to the Stonewall now, 
I really, I just honestly want to sit in the corner and cry. That's all I want to do. The only thing left of the original stone wall beside the facade is a chair. A fucking chair. These people dragged cops inside the bar and beat the fucking shit out of them. Or those gay people a little bit ago, two straight guys walked in to Stonewall and started beating up a gay guy. And then a few um, a few men walked out of the bar, chased those little bitches down and beat the fucking shit out of them. Now that's how you deal with these people. Don't go whining to the government. Beat the shit out of these little breeders. Being gay is no longer about being a man who likes men. It means grotesquerie covered with glitter. <laughs> but always remember keep your skirts up your pants down no matter who bends over don't be a faggot <laughs> wow wow uh i i have no idea but that seems like it would piss some people off that's a very very good episode man thank you me piss people off Never. <laughs> I perish the thought. <laughs> oh, that's wow. See, and it, this is to me, this is a new notion. Like I had no idea because I've I've fed into what the media and what popular culture has told me is stereotypically gay, and so uh, it's shocking um, when when I hear people like um, Jack Donovan and when I hear. Uh, little essays like yours that address it in a completely different way, frame it in a completely different way. Um, in, in a way, I, I feel more connected to it because it's no longer about being a different version of a man. It's about being a man with a different idea of sexual attraction. Um, and, you know, that it's easier to identify with that than it is to just be a completely different type of individual that dances around in a tutu. Well, I mean, I do that when I'm drunk, but. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I was so happy when I came across Androphilia. I was happy because I'm like, oh, someone else. And then I got really pissed because I'm like, someone beat me to it. <laughs> uh, but yeah it's it's i mean i i go to i go to gay bars i like drag shows i i'll go to a piano bar with one of my more broadway inclined friends um but those those are interests uh, well i mean the piano bar isn't my interest it's just a bunch of queens standing around singing show tunes i just go because they have good martinis but but it's this the culture has become it's it's pretty much MTV. There is no difference between the gay culture and young straight culture anymore. And I don't like that. And it's probably because, you know, I still have, you know, I, I, I was a, I was pretty much a gay Nazi for a while in high school. I had a gang of gay guys that were bigger and tougher than me that went around and beat straight people who even looked at me wrong. Really? Oh yeah. I wanted, I started dressing a little bit like a fascist for a hot minute. And I wore a pink triangle around my or pink triangle band around my right arm. No way. Oh, I was so I would trip straight people in the hall. I'm like, what, Bruder? <laughs> you gotta do something? Huh? Why don't you come over here and lick my butt? 
What the fuck? Yeah, you had a vastly different <laughs> fucking high school experience. Oh god, the administrators hated me. They're like, "What are you ever not going to try and just get attention?" I'm like, "This isn't about attention. This is about a good time." <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. All right. Well, that that's fucking amazing. Thank you very much for another fantastic episode of Militant Eroticism. Where can people find a little bit more about you online? Me on Facebook. You can go to the Militant Eroticism Facebook. It's uh, uh, we'll just type in Militant Eroticism. <laughs> it'll come up and it will uh, also uh, show notes are posted um, on the nine podcast.com website under militant eroticism page uh, so definitely check those out he has a lot of really fantastic past episodes if you've missed them uh, go read them go listen to them they are available in every form uh, that I can provide. And if you check out the Facebook page, he posts um, uh, news articles and information that you're not going to get uh, full ex- explanation for on the podcast. So it's definitely worth following him on Facebook. It's definitely worth uh, getting a little bit of background of what uh, he speaks to in this segment. Um, Adin, thank you very much. That, that was fantastic. That was a big relief for me. <laughs> I've been trying to get that out of my system. Because I'm tired of people throwing things at me in the gay bar. Well. Quick advice. Don't <laughs> say right. you're against gay marriage when you're drunk in a gay bar. Not good. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, that, would, that would be... <laughs> That's funny. It's weird because I'm for it. <laughs> like... Well, I want to make my point very clear. Um, it's not that I'm against gay marriage. As being practical, I have to be for it. If one has it, the other must. So I'm for it to be fair. Um, my ideal is, no, marriage should not be a legal institution at all. Absolve it completely. Um, because next, and they're already starting to mobilize this polyamorous marriage, it's, and then they're going to say, well, the government doesn't have the right to tell me how many people I can marry. Well, this is going to cause a lot of problems. So they've opened up a can of worms. And this isn't a slippery slope argument because after this doesn't come animals, you know, consenting adults and all that. But Oh, Salt Lake City polygamists have already started. And what's the cutoff? I would say Will and Grace. No, it's, that's, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the cutoff number, but that's their next argument. Oh, right, right. <laughs> yeah, because they're trying to do it in Michigan too, the Muslims. But yeah. they don't, they, you know, you can legally marry one and then in the religion you can marry uh three or four more really yeah my cousin has four wives shut the fuck up yeah one is legal the other three are married only in uh, in islam in islam it's treated as a real marriage wow i did not know that Mm -hmm. the problem with that is if he buys one a diamond necklace he has to buy all of them a diamond necklace it's expensive man yeah (laughs) that's some expensive that's some expensive pussy well, I had actually, I was planning on uh, closing out the show at this point, but I think I have a Bizarre of the Bizarre. You want to sit in for that really quick? Yeah. It's going to be fucking weird. Uh, what is it? <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we're going to do it anyway. All right. It's the Bizarre of the Bizarre. 
So Bizarre the Bizarre is just some crazy weird shit that I think about from time to time. Um, and I, I've been wanting to do this one for a while. Um, and I still don't know how I'm going to frame it. So I'm just going to sort of come out and just... It's, it's going to be a really quick to the point ask a question type thing. Um, and hopefully... <laughs> uh, hopefully it's okay. <clears throat> Alright, so as with many of these Bizarre the Bizarres... And this is going to be centered around <laughs> bathroom culture, <laughs> I'll call it. Oh, uh, this is uh, tough for me. i got to be honest. This is, this is a little weird. So, um, I don't know about you guys. And, and this doesn't happen all the time. It's just every once in a while, little weird things that happen that you don't expect. Uh, have you ever... <laughs> this is so fucked up. Uh, have you ever wiped a little too deep and it just gets, like puckered between your pucker <laughs> like it just hangs there little how do you do like it doesn't want to let go that's called it's... proper bottom maintenance <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to your butt if it's dirty <laughs> it's weird like it doesn't happen all the time which is why I, I get caught off guard when it does happen but you're just like okay done and done I've dropped it I'm reaching up for another one and it's there's something still there <laughs> What the fuck? And then you're forced with the question, how do I deal with this? Do I go down and hope I don't get shit on my fingers getting it out? Or do I, like, I don't know, like, try to push? Or do I try to spread my ass? Like, what is the proper protocol for stop. removing toilet paper stuck in your ass? Spread your ass, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, shake. <laughs> yeah. Do it, uh, spread your ass and twerk. <laughs> Uh, maybe you should go four-ply <laughs> if your toilet paper breaks on you all the time. Or, you know what? On a serious note, I, a somewhat serious note, get, get some baby wipes. I never oh, yeah. understood hey. using toilet paper. That's just wiping shit around. I mean, if you get crap on your hands, you just wipe it off with paper towel or you wash your hands. That's a good point. And actually, every time I go camping, I always bring baby wipes. See? And don't you feel so fresh and clean? It's really cold, actually, but it's, it's, it's nice. <laughs> just sit on it for a little bit. You know what? Just shove it up your ass. You do it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> just tuck it like a fucking napkin in your shirt, man. Yeah. <laughs> Wear it around. There you go. All right. That's, <laughs> that's, that's enough bizarre, bizarre for one episode. <laughs> You sure? Because that, that, that could keep going for a while. How to get <laughs> we... toilet paper out of your ass. <laughs> so fucked up. It's never happened to me. I just heard someone talking about it. It's... Then why is your wife sending me Vine videos about you twerking to get toilet paper <laughs> out of your ass? <laughs> Look at him. He can't get it out. Out of Vine. That has to do it for another show. <laughs> I hope everyone enjoyed it. Again, never happened to me. <laughs> I would love to hear from you. Visit the website 9centspodcast.com and send your correspondence to info at 9centspodcast.com. Let us know of any suggestions, critiques, corrections, or general comments you might have. Reach out to the Facebook page, Milton Eroticism. Let it end know if he's doing a good thing or a bad thing or, hell, you're, you're still on the fence. I don't even fucking know what that means. Let him know what you think of his show, uh, of his segment. It's fantastic. Um, you can visit the Facenet, blah, 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 the Satannet. Does it? Do people use that? Like I see like three people on that. I kind of took a step back from it. 
Yeah, right. Say that Facebook, Google Plus, Twitter, or MySpace page for nine cents and get updated on weekly topics. Download the show Monday nights via my RSS feed found at ninecentspodcast.com. We're also on Last FM, Stitcher, Spotify, and YouTube, so look for us there. You can subscribe to Nine Cents via iTunes by searching Nine Cents, and don't forget to leave a rating and or comment. I'd like to thank those who have uh, thank those who have uh, put in their ratings and reviews recently. I truly appreciate it, and I sort of echo them on the website. If you'd like to learn more about the Church of Satan, visit churchofsatan.com. And remember, people, the only way this podcast is going to live, and the only way it's going to continue, the only way that this Frankenstein monster is going to keep putting toilet paper in his ass is if you tell a friend. <laughs> Share nine cents. Help spread the word. And once again, thank you for joining me. And as always, I am your host, Adam Campbell, being joined by... A dead are dead. Hell yeah. And until next week, hail Satan. Hail Satan.